Welcome back for episode 42 of Focus Fire Chat and the fifth installment of Extra Lore, recorded live on August 2nd, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who it has been said has the voice of a flower, Justin Sane 0516. Never getting old. <laughs> I know you think it will, but it's not. <laughs> we also have with us a returning guest co-host, Mel, known to some as Wind of the Stars. Mel, how's everything going? Not pretty good. Doing the thing, playing some games, making some costumes. You know, you know the norm. <laughs> nice. Good job. And how about how about a quick reminder on where everyone can find you out on the internet real quick? Yeah, of course. So I pretty much use the handle Wind of the Stars on everything. So nine times out of ten, you can just put Wind of the Stars into whatever place that you're at and find me. But um, I predominantly reside in the realms of Facebook and uh, Instagram, Twitch. Um, Not so much Twitch right now. Um, Twitter. And I also, just exciting news, I just launched a Patreon campaign. So, like, literally Saturday. So... I'm kind of excited by it. Uh, I've had some really good positive feedback from it. So um, if anyone's interested in seeing more cosplay stuff and like kind of make things, please check it out. Wonderful. Well, the topic of today's chat is going to be a look at an introduction to the game lore of Overwatch. Before we get into that, however, I do want to run through just a few quick notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the lore of the Cryptarchy. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes or through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday or whenever, especially now that we're moving into the extra lores on a monthly schedule, every first week we're going to try to do this probably Tuesdays or Thursdays, the first Tuesday and Thursdays of each month. But usually around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous chat for those who are unable to participate. We have also officially joined the Guardian Radio Network. If you are not already listening to the podcast over on the guardiansofdestiny.com, fix that immediately. Guardian Radio and Guardian One are amazing groups, and we're truly honored to join them. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the lore surrounding Vex structures and their functions within the realm of Destiny. But let's go ahead and get back into the introduction of the game lore of Overwatch. I'm going to hand it over to Justin and Mel, since that is definitely their wheelhouse more than it is mine so justin i'm gonna the conch is yours oh come come on blue this is so this is so unsettling (laughs) you're giving it up you're giving it up way too early no pressure no pressure so 
So, um, Overwatch, my new favorite game. I, I don't know. That might be unfair, but it's definitely the game that I'm playing most at the moment. Um, it's a pretty wonderful little universe that the game's set in. It's everything's super uh, modern and uh, kind of technologically advanced. And uh, basically, the game as we know it in Overwatch, in Overwatch takes place after a sort of golden age for humanity and then the ensuing Omnic crisis. And what we we're talking going to talk about first was kind of the basic bones of an outline um, as far as we can tell. Uh, and uh, this is by no means, oh no, you're, you're fine. By no means is this like the end all um, compendium, but you know, it, it gives you a pretty good outline. Um, what were you going to say, Mel? Oh, I should just also make note that about 98% of the lore that we're going to be covering is not in game. Um, it's not like Destiny where you actually get story information and you have like things like the Grimmer cards that tell you like, okay, here's the thing. Um, they haven't really released much of the lore aside from what was in the official art book. That's where most of the information for the wiki comes from. And then like communication between actual characters. And of course the movies that they have released, um, the Blizzard's officially released covers a lot of the lore too, that we're going to talk about. Um, so that's one thing I think is really interesting about Overwatch is they don't have that that one player or you know first you know the first player just single player type of mode in the game where you could learn all this stuff. So I I have found out that most people don't know that there's kind of like this huge entire thing of Overwatch. They're just like, oh, we have these characters. We're gonna play. We're gonna defend the thing. We're gonna we're just we're just having fun. So but, yeah, which is which is fine too, but. Uh, and they also do it in a lot of in a lot of uh, kind of subtle little ways. Like certain characters will say different bits of dialogue on certain maps, or they'll say different bits of dialogue when they're next to other characters, or when they're wearing a certain skin. So rather than have it, you know, we always we always like to kind of you know jab at Bungie about the way they told the story in Destiny, but rather than have it kind of cataloged for us. This is very much just <laughs> very wide open. Um, and, you know, the game hasn't been out all that long. So I'm sure at some point all of this will be cataloged. And the, the people at the wiki have done a lot already. Mm-hmm. But um, as far I as almost... right now, it's it's very much an open, an open story. Mm-hmm. Well, I almost feel like uh, what the version of Overwatch now was just kind of like a a proof of concept to this. I'm like, Hey, let's create a game that just has this and see if it actually works for us. And then maybe later on down the line, we might get some more content that is based more around the story and the world for which overwatch exists. But I mean, that's, that's hopeful thinking because we're all lore junkies. So we want that type of content, but well, I think the difficulty overwatch has and, that kind of games like destiny and halo and all these other first person shooters. And, you know, this is definitely a difficulty that overwatch has is that there is no PVE scenario. Mm-hmm. So there's not really, cause that's normally where your story is like heavily developed too. Like there's no, there's no campaign 
or story mode yeah. in Overwatch. Yeah. Really, it's just you know, it's like the it's like the uh, Star Wars Battlefront or or yeah. Titanfall. Titanfall. No well, Titanfall had mm-hmm. a lot of this issue too, and you know, Titanfall two, which is coming out soon. They're they're they they learned a lot from the lack of that you know the limitations that you know a total pvp game had and it, it and this is an area that definitely gets negatively impacted but i'll be honest those videos those ex, those expanded universe videos of theirs are amazing like, oh yeah they are i've watched most of them i think and you can watch them back to back and it's just yes. like, I mean, it's just awesome. So they, they, they definitely read as the cutscenes that you right. have gotten if you played, if you were, if they were in a game. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they realized that there was not something like that in the actual game itself. And they know that a lot of people really enjoy that aspect, especially for Blizzard, who is pretty well known for having pretty, pretty solid storylines, pretty yeah. solid characters. And for them to have a game where they don't actually have a storytelling aspect is really like, whoa, what are you guys doing? So, um, yeah, so I think that's probably why they made sure to make those movies for A+. Because you get a lot of interaction. And um, the one that always sticks out most to my mind is the video between Tracer and Widowmaker is just how they have a very clear, defined line of... Uh, not necessarily one's good or bad, but there's definitely a line of which they have different moral compasses Mm -hmm. going on and that they know each other to a degree, but you don't, at at the time when they released it, you had no clue because the art book and stuff wasn't out. So you didn't know what their, their relationship was, but I mean, that one always sticks out really, really well in my mind. Is that the one where she is trying to, or she assassinates Pinata or is it, what's his name? Uh, I don't think it's actually Zenyatta. I believe he is the leader of the people of, of the, which we'll be able to cover later. Um, the leader of the Omnix that come and say, Hey, we're just as cool as, as you humans. Oh, like, is that let's not all love and be happy. Do they just I, all look alike? I, uh, yeah, they all look alike. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this no, is, this is, <laughs> is this exposure to my lack of knowledge here. Okay. Um, I mean, that's how I interpret it. I mean, it's not, pin, just, it's not, <laughs> it's, not it's, pinata. it's pinata. Okay. It's, it's the mon, guy's name mandata. is pinata. It's mandata. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm, yes. I think you just made that up, but okay. No, I didn't. Look at this a little bit, Blue. It's in the notes. Okay. Read your notes, man. Read your notes. Um, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. So yeah, that's, that's definitely worth, um, worth knowing is that this this is not somewhere in the game like you shouldn't be feeling like you missed something very intrinsic to the game mm-hmm. of overwatch if if all this is is just great to you this is stuff that you know most of it came like like mel said from the, the art source book and um from expanded universe stuff like the digital comics and things like that mm-hmm. so um and i will try to to be clear about where things are coming from when it is clear to me, um, the basic timeline of Overwatch. There's a really good one um, done by Polygon, which I will actually see if I can link in chat, okay. and I'll get Blue to. Okay, Blue can link that there and in the show notes as yep. well. I will do that. Um, so 
do we want to jump into kind of the world of Overwatch and how yeah how we kind of find ourselves where we are right now in I game? Think, yeah, I think that would be because I think the first thing that we probably need to talk about is you you said Omnic, which I yes. think you know yes um, that seems like I don't know it, 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 there's a lot of I'm reading I'm reading yeah, the, the notes the Omics, and there's the like Omics are. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say the Omics are a great starting point. Right. Um, so basically, unlike in Destiny, we don't we don't have a traveler, but there was a golden age, kind of this this you know resurgence of technology, and that we made really fast breakthroughs and everything. And um, we actually had a a whole lunar colony, a research colony, um, orbiting the moon, and um, then the Omnics were created. Um, they were pretty much just robots with advanced artificial intelligence and they were actually, you know, key in a lot of the manufacturing breakthroughs and a bunch of the other stuff that happened that led to us kind of being able to be where we are today in, as we sit in game. Um, but you know, whenever you create, you know, very, very highly intelligent artificial intelligence, and they they have time to kind of think about their their lot in life. At some point, they start to to wonder why they're uh, you know, why they're serving you if they're so smart. Um, so it's it's very very much a the common artificial intelligence. Yes, trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Similar, very similar to uh, the whole entire Mass Effect storyline with. Uh, um, God, my mind is drawing a blank. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the f***ing, uh, or the robot. Yes, thank you. Wow, I was sitting here trying to remember the, the name. I was like, the Geth and um, Tally's people, which I don't know why I'm not remembering this, because I have so many hours in Mass Effect, and I used to know all this off the top of my head, like, immediately. See, people do not get old. <laughs> you forget things, very important things, like your Mass Effect lore. I am very sad. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> I only knew that because I'm on a show with Willie. Yeah, I was about to say. Like, Willie's not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, real quick before we move off from just the creation of the Omnics, um, the lar- there were large facilities where they were created called Omniums, okay. and uh, also one of the one of the really key things they did to make the world where like to kind of give us the foundation for the world we live in at present time in game is they they gave a way for there to be economic equality. So countries that before had no manufacturing infrastructure and couldn't, you know, couldn't compete in the world market or couldn't feed their people or house their people. All of a sudden they had a means for this because of the, because of the power of the Omnics. Um, but yeah, I was going to see. Lou, if you wanted to talk about the Omnic Crisis. Yeah. I also see that apparently they have hyper-intelligent gorillas. Oh, yes. yeah. We can, well, I say, awesome. I say we touch Which, on that when we talk about Winston. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what I was leaving. Apparently. Like, oh, I think we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> obviously, as anyone who pays any attention to any sci-fi movie, book, anything that has AI as a main component... It sounds like the AI reached a point where 
they were questioning their own existence and you know like justin was saying they were like hey you know we're not really second class citizens and we're not really servants so what gives um but it also looks like blizzard has not revealed to to our knowledge yet what the actual cause of the crisis was but basically all of a sudden the ominums began producing hostile ominix and they started which this reminds me so much of star wars but um basically they have <laughs> well because they have manufacturing company or manufacturing plants where the robots are building other robots to build other robots to build it's the shipyards from star wars it's that's exactly what happened and this is exactly what happened um so this is where the uh the bastion units uh came from actually which Apparently, Bastion is a is a very fan favorite of everybody who plays the game. Sorry. <laughs> um, and and Bastion was actually the main force of the crisis. Um, so what happened was this this force of manufacturing power and basically the source of a very stable society just turned around and bit the hand that fed it, um, and. In response to this sudden change, the United Nations stepped up and formed a, a group or a task force of uh, soldiers and scientists that they that termed Overwatch. Um, and I'm not are are these names Gabriel Reyes and Jack Morrison? Is that, yes. Is that, okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and, and so and so basically, these were the these were the original like I guess the big wigs of the original Overwatch was Reyes and Morrison. Um, but then later they they it seems like they've split. Uh, Morrison basically took. I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure I'm saying this right. Morrison took control of Overwatch, whereas Reyes took control of a covert operations unit within Overwatch that was. Is that Blackwatch? Yeah, it was basically so um, Jack Morrison, he was kind of just like basically the poster child for Overwatch and had a very specific military by the books way of doing it. Um, a lot of the characters you see that were from the original Over Overwatch, such as um, Mercy and Winston and... Um, um, God, the big tank guy, which I'm drawing a blank on his name moment. Reinhardt. Thank you, Reinhardt. We're all kind of like your on, shield. On, on like kind of like his go-to <laughs> group. And then Reyes, he um, kind of had a different way of, of viewing things also. So um, they, we, we'll touch about more about this in a little later, but he kind of was like, okay, we, we're going to go get stuff done and we're going to make sure it gets done. Mm -hmm. So um, well, kind so, of like, yeah, <laughs> kind of like the black ops version, right? Like, yeah. you know, like they're the, the ones that version. Yeah, exactly. So um, on his side, you had a lot of people um, and you had, uh, I believe, I know Black Widow was one of them. I try to think of some of the other ones off the top of my head. Uh, McCree. McCree. 
was McCree. Say, was a McCree one? Yeah, on? McCree. Yeah, yeah. Because they they theorize that McCree was um, his like protege. Like uh, we'll go into that later. Anyways, <laughs> well, so, it seemed. I mean, it makes it does make sense if United Nations. To me, I mean, just just you know, again, not being well steeped in this lore, but just from an mm-hmm. outside view, if United Nations is the one that says yes, you are Overwatch. United Nations is going to have their hands pretty deep in the pie on making sure that they, you know, mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't cross the line. Well, there's some lines in war that technically might need to get crossed, especially if you're fighting against exactly. an AI unit that doesn't give to exactly. about the people yeah. it's killing. And that's exactly what was going on in the Overwatch thing is from my from my understanding of course my understanding could be completely wrong but from my from what i've gathered from the information is that morrison's side was definitely the 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 good moral compass of overwatch look we're saving all the humans like we're getting rid of this threat but well yes they are doing stuff and they are making good doing good things that uh, you have raised back in the back that's actually pulling a lot of stuff that's getting stuff done that no one wants to speak of. Right, yeah. So Overwatch was the poster child while Blackwatch was the ones who were actually doing the wet work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were the clandestine arm that they were not there. Which, yeah, hey, guess what happens? Sanctioned. There's stress between the two groups. Yeah, I'm like, this is not a huge surprise. So, (laughs) so I actually wanted to point out from a style standpoint, uh, if you look at the or so basically, I wanted to explain this because I didn't fully understand this until not that long ago. Um, If you bought the console um, version of Overwatch, I think your only choice was to get the Origins edition. I don't know if that's correct. Yes, I didn't get any other choice. Mm So, yeah. So um, with the Origins edition of Overwatch, you, for each character, you got an Origin skin. Mm-hmm. And pretty much this is their – it is just what it sounds like. It's a skin that makes them look like what they were you know, back when this all started. Um, now for Soldier 76, who we'll get into this later, who is actually Jack Morrison. And um, – What? Uh, some of the, yeah, yeah, I know mind blown. Um, some of the other characters that were original overwatch, um, Anna, uh, if you look at their uniforms and their origin skin, it very much resembles other than some of the, you know, like highly stylized futuristic parts of them. Um, it somewhat resembles what you would imagine a UN peacekeeping mm-hmm. uniform to look like, especially, um, there's a lot of, yeah. And there's a lot of blue, um, and it just it highly resembles that to me, and uh, it kind of solidifies in my mind the fact that they were created to be a peacekeeping group as opposed to a tactical, um, you know, a tactical right. strike unit, which and is kind of yeah. what Blackwatch became. Right, and you know, like as the face of the UN, of course they're going to want to have this this sect, I guess you want to call it this, you know, this program to look like they, they are these upstanding citizens. They're doing good, you know, but I mean, in terms of war, you can't always have that type of, of people running things. I mean, you're going to, you're going to have to have the people that get their hands dirty, that get things done. That's going to, you need that, you need that group of people. But, um, but yeah, do we want to, talk more about what the generation of overwatch entailed like some of the other people like some of the other heroes that they got in during that time when overwatch was like oh 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take it. Oh, oh, you're handing this over. <laughs> so, so, um, so are we done with the omnic crisis? I uh, think we're. Yeah, I mean, so. I mean, I, no, go for it. Go, for, can it, go basic, for it. We can basically sum it up to the fact that uh, Overwatch dealt with it. So, um, to what degree? I, from my understanding, they didn't really explain how quote unquote it was dealt with aside from the few things we see afterwards <clears throat> excuse me like we see some of the the omnics come into society um you actually get to play with a couple omnics in in the game as a hero um and you start seeing different groups of people that you know that support them becoming integrated into society and other people are kind of like, no, 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 they, they tried to kill us. What are you doing? Like separation, you know, we need to segregate ourselves. You can't allow them into society. So you obviously see that. Um, but once the ominous crisis was over, Overwatch wasn't disbanded right, right away. Um, and so it became an Overwatch generation, which basically was this glorified um, group of people is kind of like, not superhero, but kind of superhero. Like if you got into Overwatch, people were just kind of like, oh my God, you're super cool. You're super famous. Like you get to do all these really cool things. It wasn't in the sense that like, oh, you're going out and you're like war. Cause it wasn't really a war any longer. Um, but um, Justin, do you want to go? Cause I feel like I'm talking forever. Yeah, no, you, you're, doing, <laughs> you're doing just fine. Oh, and before we move on, uh, one, there was one country that refused Overwatch help during the crisis, and that was Russia. Um, mm-hmm. Russia actually closed their borders and refused any Overwatch help and dealt with the Omnic crisis on their own. I can't that's why imagine in that, that. Yeah, and that's why in that uh, opening, it's, it's I think it's, yeah, when Winston's doing his little speech, and uh, there's that one shot, I think, of the Kremlin, and there's all those Russian soldiers and mm-hmm. the... And you don't see a single blue shirt one. Um, <laughs> that's because Russia was like, Nyet! doing it myself. Uh, which I feel like might might come to play with Zarya at some point. But um, yes, it does. Yeah. Well, but uh, isn't so, that wasn't that her entire origin was she rushed back home? Or are we yeah, gonna get it? Are we yeah. gonna get into that? Yeah, we're gonna get to that. Okay, okay, okay. Hey, we're gonna get to that. There's there's crumbs that I know. There's so and, much. There's so much. Um, so after the Omnic crisis, um, the, the battles won, right? But Overwatch didn't immediately disband. Like any UN peacekeeping force, they were still needed. Um, you know, they just kind of did peacekeeping missions. Um, and uh, many of the agents that were in, in service during the Omnic crisis uh, stayed in service. And then there were a few like Genji who left to kind of follow their own path. Um, so then um, some, there were some notable kind of developments uh, in India, the Vishkar corporation developed a radical and revolutionary technology called hard light. This technology allowed them to create physical objects with light. My God, this is sounding familiar um, <laughs> to further development. The corporation developed the, Architect Academy to find and train architects to create world-changing creations. 
And it was through this academy that we will find out later we got Symmetra. Um, uh, another really oh, – okay. uh, yeah, it's making sense, right? Well, um, I, it, her her shining star thing makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. she can just make she she can make anything anything to help you in battle, and she makes a teleporter. That's it. <laughs> she can only make a teleporter and She's, little itty bitty well. turrets that don't do anything. Oh, they do something. They, if you're if you're fighting they a really hurt. good Symmetra, they hurt. They hurt. Because <laughs> I, I fought one one person playing Symmetra that was evil. They they only put their turrets, they only put their little their little sentries around health packs. Because what is somebody who's running to a health pack? They're hurt. <laughs> and you're just dead. But yeah. um Let me tell you times I've walked through door frames not knowing that there was a Symmetra. This is like the very start of the game and you walk and then you're instant dead. Because their whole entire door frame is just covered with yeah. little stupid turrets. And you can't <laughs> see them until you're on the other side. And by the time you're able to turn around and shoot them, you're dead. So Yeah, so if you're playing if you're playing with randos and you're not talking, it's awful. If you got a good team, you could call them out and get rid of them pretty quick. But Yeah. Yeah. Um so Symmetra's awful. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> The next kind of a uh, kind of a uh, notable thing um, was that the Shambali was formed, uh, and this was created by a group of Omnics to bring humans and Omnics together again. They believed that the Omnics possessed a soul and wanted to reunite the world through harmony between humans and Omnics, led by Tekharta Mandata. The Shambali gained prominence throughout the world. One of their followers, Zenyatta, eventually left to follow his own path. He decided to focus less on the dogmatic teaching and more on the interpersonal relationships between humans and omnics. Now, if if you're wondering who this Mandata character was, he's actually, to the best of my knowledge, the omnic who gets his face wrecked in the Widowmaker Yes. Animated short. <clears throat> that's how I see this too. Yeah. yeah. And Tracer yeah, being the awful works. person that she is, she blinked and she let the bullet go through and hit him in the head. Just, <laughs> I love how you blame Tracer. <laughs> I blame Tracer. She should have took one for the team. <laughs> no. But if you know what, I'm not going to touch on that because then we're going to start going down this whole. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a good time. So that's not a good, that's not a good one. So, um, but but then yeah, wasn't there Australia? Oh, no, go for it. Oh, no, I was going to say that the Shambali were made up of Omnics who are essentially like robot monks. Mm-hmm. And when you play on the map um, that's on Nepal, make sure I said it correctly, on Nepal, um, there's statues, you know, all over the place mm-hmm. of meditating robot monks, Omnic monks. And this, this is kind of the birthplace of the Shambali. Okay. And then I know Australia is Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think that was oh, yeah, that right. Did. Yeah, why don't you talk about that? Buddy? So yeah, because like and I, I kinda remember the discussion in chat on this one with um uh junk junk rat, I think it is, who found yes. the treasure. So like basically um real quick, 
Australia, uh, there's the Australian Outback. Anyone who's seen Mad Max Fury Road, that's basically what this is. Um, so basically, after the Omnic Crisis, every every most of the places in the world decide to give Omnics safe, or the world, I guess, decided to give the Omnics the Australian Outback. Like that's became their refuge. Unfortunately, um, this was not really decided by the Australians as a great idea, and there were um, small pockets of those Australians who really didn't want them there. And so this formed a force called the Australian Liberation Front that was basically d- designed to push back um, the what they viewed as an omnic in- invasion. <clears throat> Um, and that's led to the destruction of, of Australia's omnium facility and the irradiation of the majority of the outback. But um, I think Junkrat was one of the initial members of the Australian Liberation Front, if I'm remembering this correctly, whereas Roadhog was kind of just a, a gun for hire, uh, just traveling obviously they're both bikers but like well roadhog especially but like roadhog was actually hired by junkrat to help him protect a treasure air quotes around the treasure here but a a treasure that junkrat had found and that people were after and he was and as a result of junkrat living within this irradiated zone um he kind of he's kind of a little insane just, just a little bitty. He's a little paranoid and he's a little crazy. And but he actually apparently does have something that people want. No one, I think, knows what it is. But Roadhog and him have taken it upon themselves to to protect it. But they're also like I think the uh, the part that I remember is them talking about like how they don't follow a really logical paths. Like they're like trying to hide, but then they go out of their way to get jobs and cause all sorts of trauma in the world. But, um, I'm trying to remember other than that, the other, the other thing that really is big is the Justin's, I think it's the Shimada brothers. Shimadas, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I kind of figured we'd go off that one. <laughs> I kind of felt like uh, we would go over that when we did the characters blue. But um, yeah, so, way to jump ahead. During this, yeah, yeah, way to jump ahead. Hey. Gosh, jeez. <laughs> I try. So, so basically during this time, uh, we'll, we'll hit this real, real quick. Um, basically, during this time, uh, on his little path to personal enlightenment, Zenyatta actually runs into Genji Shimada, a former Overwatch agent. Genji is thought to have been killed by his brother Hanzo, the eldest son of the Shimada crime family. And the Shimadas ordered Hanzo to kill Genji because of his wild and carefree behavior. On the brink of death, Mercy brought Genji back as a cyborg. Way to go, Mercy. Wow. <laughs> this begins a trend on Mercy's behalf. Yes, of just of just um, rezzing. Oh, rezzing my people mercy. all over. Oh my mercy, place. babe. She means well, but sometimes I feel yeah, sometimes. she has multi motives, which we can we can we'll discuss that later. 
we'll discuss it later. Um, okay. I, I think it's also important to mention during the golden age of Overwatch that um, it was the time when um, the in Korea the mechs were created that were also used to fight an Omnic invasion. Um, and they actually, this is where Diva comes into play because they sought out uh, professional gamers to pilot these mechs. And she became one of the most popular ones because of her ability to wield it. And she also apparently streamed her encounters while um, <laughs> piloting her mech. So she is literally the one of the original Twitch Twitch people, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. <laughs> All she, new level she, makes, of, uh, <laughs> she makes Pokemon she Go look tame. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. She would totally play Pokemon Go. Like, Come you on. you catch you catch <laughs> digital monsters, Diva kills real ones. Yeah, All right. yeah she still needs like a Doritos logo on her hip or something. Yeah, some mountain logos. Well, and oh, she yeah. was she was the world champion at uh, Starcraft. Starcraft, yeah, yep. yeah, yes, she was. Chi <laughs> But we'll we'll go into Diva's backstory later. Oh, so, um. But let's let's dive into what actually happened to Overwatch, shall we? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like we mentioned earlier, um, Reese and Morrison obviously had two very different ways of going about this world peace thing, and. Uh, as you can imagine, the fighting between them became really, really bad. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of infighting between uh, Reyes and Morrison that ran parallel with accusations of uncharacteristic, corrupt behavior. Um, so, at one point, there was a United United Nations investigation, and there was a fight that broke out at the Overwatch headquarters. Um, and during this fight, the facility was actually completely destroyed. And they assumed at the time that Reese and Morrison were killed along um, during the destruction of the facility. So uh, because of the events and including the sign of Petrus Act, um, which was a document stating that any Overwatch related activity was therefore illegal, caused Overwatch to actually be completely disbanded. And that kind of leads us up to the start of the game where we came in as players so, um, do you guys want to go a little bit further into what goes on next? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After that, that unfortunate business comes, we're getting closer and closer to uh, where we are when we first put the disc in and, and boot up our game and start shooting things. Um, we have the kind of the era in the lore of the game called the recall. Um. Because of the absence of Overwatch, everything's kind of just going to pot everywhere. Like, just mm-hmm. there's crisis after crisis, and you know it's it's kind of like one of those deals. Whenever you turn on the news, you just almost don't want to because it's nothing but bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it's about this time that Winston initiates a recall. Um, he he kind of does it at the end of his animated short. That's actually named recall uh he's he's thinking about it and speaking to his little his little ai athena um and she kind of talks him out of it and then he's attacked by reaper um who's an awful awful person (laughs) 
and uh, he's he's attacked by a Reaper, who's actually we'll find out in a little bit. Gabriel Reyes, um, you know, kind of way to go, Mercy, on that one. Um, and oh, yes. Uh, yes, oh Mercy, um, but uh, basically this attack and the fact that Reaper tried to tried to hack his computer and find out all the Overwatch agents' locations and identities. Um, just like it's the last straw for Winston. And he he initiates the recall of all, all Overwatch agents against the the Petrus Act. Well, um, and doesn't that introduce uh, Talon? Isn't this yes, where Talon yes. gets introduced? It, it doesn't like overtly get introduced um, in, in that short. Oh, but at yeah, this time, no, Reaper... Yeah. Post post um, post fall of Overwatch, Gabriel Reyes or Reaper, however you want to call him, is a talent operative. So you know, there's every there's every reason to believe that this is a talent led um, attack on Winston. To uh, pretty much all the bad stuff we see Winston and Widowmaker do in the digital shorts, um, it those are talent ops. You mean? Which you talent know, is is kind Reaper. of the new, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, if you think that Reaper leads talent, I don't believe. You no, 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 no. You said Reaper. Winston and Widowmaker. I was. Oh, okay, Reaper. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, no. Winston. Yeah. But yeah, Reaper. Um. So yeah, Talon just kind of replaced Black Watch as the bad, the bad boy on the block. Um. It's also around this time we start seeing the resurgence. Um of Jack Morrison in the form of soldier 76. Um, he also had a pretty rough time of it during the fall of overwatch. He was almost killed. Um, but now he's back with a, uh, tactical visor, a pulse rifle and an attitude. And he, when we see him in his digital short, he's roaming the streets of Dorado, um, beating up on skeleton gangsters. So it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So um let's see. And these are these are also kind of just going through some of the the content matter that's in those digital shorts, which is pretty cool. Those are <laughs> if you can watch all of those back to back, it's the best way to do it. Yeah. Like the first digital short they even released was your when you your first introduction to Overwatch before the game was when um Reaper and Widowmaker try to steal Doom which fist. they revealed was called the doom fist um and you see tracer and i believe it's winston it's been a while mm-hmm. since i watched it come in and they save the day and the kids that are there at the museum honoring overwatch you know they're not like oh no what's going on <laughs> please save us you know so it's kind of to show that um that the overwatch is still needed to some extent um, that there is still another force out in the world that is opposing peace for the whole entire planet. Um, unfortunately, it appears that the force that is opposing the good force is actually former Overwatch agents. So that's where it gets kind of mucky. But um, but yeah, so um, they're also uh, responsible for the assassination of the head of the Shambhali. Um, which we discussed earlier. So mm-hmm. that's also covered in one of the shorts, which is one of my favorites. Um, the battle sequence between Tracer and Widowmaker is one of my one of my favorites. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely that's... check it out. You learn 
without actually reading their history, you learn a lot about who they are and their interactions between each other and just kind of in general that that there's not really any words spoken besides their lines that they would say normally in game when they're doing normal in game stuff. So it's it's really well uh, thought out story wise. So yes. yeah, and that's the yeah, and a live animated short. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I used to be afraid of spider. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's also worth noting that every single one of these shorts. Um, I think I'm correct in this. Every single one of these shorts actually takes place on a playable Overwatch map. Yeah. So like yep. the, I'm sorry. Yes. Hmm? Yes, you are yes. correct. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> they said, they said no. I was like, no, I was wrong. <laughs> I a good one. Um, no, uh, but um, the recall video of Winston is on Watchpoint Gibraltar, which is his kind of little base. But um, Soldier 76's happens on Dorado. Um, the alive one with Widowmaker, where she assassinates Mandata, is King's Row, and so on and so forth. But this is the part that excites me. Not all of the maps have a video. Mm-hmm. But all the videos have a map, leading me to believe there's some more on the way, which I think oh, we yeah. could have all. That's not too far out there. Yeah. That there were more videos coming, but um, mm-hmm. I think it'll be pretty good. Like, I want to see a Lucio vi- video. Um, that'd be awesome. Just, I just want to see him, like, push. Yeah, just push someone off the map. But um, <laughs> So, um yeah, so you know that kind of covers us through there. Well, and then um, there was then there was uh, what is it, Zarya, right? The second yes. the second crisis. Yes, once you take the, that blue. the last thing is basically. <clears throat> so this is so there's the Doomfist short, which is the trailer, and then there's the Alive uh, short which is the assassination of Mandata. And then it's it's theorized that the assassination might have reactivated the the Omnium in Russia, and this reactivation ignites a second Omnic crisis, which basically, remember, Russia has kind of locked its doors. They've put up a, put up a curtain, if you would, between it and the rest of the world. And... So they they kind of aren't really ready, I think, for the surprise reactivation, and they lose a, a pretty good number. Fifteen, I think it's fifteen thousand is what the timeline here is, has. Um, but this is where the world's strongest woman—I'm not even going to try to pronounce her actual name—we know her as Zarya—leaves <laughs> leaves her competitive weightlifting circuit and goes back and enlist in the in the army basically re like reinvigorating that entire area and trying and kind of re-emphasizing the need for i guess patriotism within the russian the russian border but uh it i guess it's um she was only a a child during the first grade which i didn't know she was only a young child which it makes sense but um, mm-hmm. so that's that's her entire introduction. That's kind of her reason to be fighting is she's actually or she's 
fighting in response to the resurgence of the Omnic forces, which I think at that point we were we're at the the launch of the game, right? I think that brings us right yes. right up to where we play. Yeah, and actually the second Omnic Crisis is one of the many events that Winston sees on his television or oh, his, his okay. monitor. Okay. Um, and, and, and that's yes. like one of the main things he's seeing that's like really screwed up. And and yeah. this is this is a potential tie-in to Destiny because there is a big wall around Russia. <laughs> um, since we talked about Zarya real quick, um, <laughs> I love how both of you just are like, eh, and moving on. <laughs> no, uh, so one of the one of the things that's important to point out is that the reason she felt so passionate about getting back into the or getting into the fight was that her village was on the front lines of the original Omnic Crisis. So oh, okay. she saw a lot okay. of people suffer from it, and she worked hard to you know help people recover. And that was one of her things why she went into to weightlifting is that she wanted to get to be strong and, you know, help protect people. Um, and by the time she was old enough, Overwatch was already been disbanded. So there's actually quite a few heroes, which we'll learn about that want to be part of Overwatch in one, you know, that made that their life goal to enter it, but then there wasn't any Overwatch by the time they got old enough. Um, but then when the second on the crisis popped out, her village again was thrusted back into the thing. So that was huge motivator for her to be like, you know what? I we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take care of this because this is not cool. <laughs> she, I think she took a break from wrestling that bear and she was like, Yeah. Yeah, let's go home. That's enough of that. Bear, you come fight with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, so now we're present day and present day we have a bunch of characters. Oh um, yeah. We have a bunch of characters. Is it 24 all in all? I think it oh, is. Something like that. More on uh, the way. It, it, was, a it was it was rhetorical. I know there's 24. <laughs> well, I don't know what Anna does to it. She might make it 25. I could be wrong. So um, do we want to kind of go character by character? Yeah, might as well. Huh? I mean, like, so yeah, I think that we can maybe pair up Genji and Hanzo just mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Yeah, because um, they're so intertwined. Yes. So having said that, I think we will let Blue take Genji and Mel, you can take Hanzo. Okay. You see how I tell de- see how I delegate. <laughs> so we probably call Hanzo hand soap. I don't know why. Hand soap. He saw He saw handsome. He saw handsome. <laughs> He's so strong. Let me just point out also for someone that uses a bow and arrow, he has the snipes on lockdown. Like I don't know if it's people cheating or what, but I can't tell no. you how many times people have one shot of me in the head with Hanzo. And then I watch the replay and their arrow is probably like a foot away from my head, but it counts as a headshot. Like, no, I, it's, I, it's actually, I do have the, the data on that Mel. It's because his hitbox is as large as a Chrysler LeBaron. 
That's Jesus. why. Because <laughs> anytime large. I try to play with Widowmaker, between the eyes. So yeah, not yeah like, you yeah. don't actually you, you the the hitbox for Hanzo, and they may have adjusted it um, since I since I saw the video and tested this out. The hitbox for Hanzo is so large that the character can be completely behind cover that you're shooting at. And as long as you shoot right next to the cover, you can kill him without Are any part serious? of him being visible. I'm not. I'm not I mean, I am. I am. How is that? How is that? Like, like how is well, that? It's the trade-off. The you brought a bow and arrow to a gunfight. It's a trade-off. No, it's not a trade-off. Like, you bring a bow and arrow to a gunfight. You Here comes the rest. salt. I mean, <laughs> so. But okay, real quick, Genji. So I guess each of these each of these characters has a kind of a quote that kind of define. I, I'm assuming kind of defines their their personal story. And Genji's is, Genji's is even if I sacrifice my body, I will never sacrifice my honor. Um, and so, like we had already said, Genji was pretty much doomed well assigned to be killed by his older brother hanzo um because genji uh was the youngest son of the master of the shimada ninja clan which you know anyone who has seen genji could probably figure that out but um he kind of kind of squandered that he he really didn't have any interest in the illegal businesses um he did he was very very good at the ninja training um but he just kind of just kind of pursued a i guess they they call it a playboy lifestyle he just kind of squandered everything and didn't really care um and then i guess his father was kind of viewed as coddling and protecting him um so, of course, following the clan leader's unfortunate death, Hanzo in, came to Genji and demanded that he took a more active role in the empire, and Genji refused, which basically led to a lot of tension between the two brothers and um, eventually led to a confrontation that Hanzo pretty much put Genji down. And then, you know, our favorite so- angel in disguise... Intervene. <laughs> and actually, if you've ever seen Genji's origin skin, um, you get that feeling just from looking at him. His hair's green. He looks very. It's. Have y'all seen that one? Mm-hmm. Have you yes. seen Genji? It almost looks like he's an anime character. Almost. Um. Yeah, you don't get the feeling he's very serious about anything at that point. Still doesn't warrant what Hanzo did, but okay. <laughs> well, well, I mean, in in a in a samurai culture, though, it's you know Hanzo was put kind of in a difficult position. I mean, like he's obviously held up by the clan. Like his father, after his father died, <clears throat> you know, the clan said, "Hey, you need to like get your brother under control, or else." You know, and considering that the clan was, you know, a criminal empire, you don't really want to F with that. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I Hans, it kind of, it's, it's, it's weird because we don't really know what Hans's moral compass is or mm-hmm. if he's just kind of like, all right, this is what I need to do. I'm going to do this. So, um, but 
Yeah. So he, he, uh, I mean, obviously he was really upset um, when, uh, when Genji was going to go help with the Overwatch. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Like Hanzo, I don't know a whole bunch about Hanzo, but at the same time, I can kind of sense that like he kind of didn't want to do it, but also wanted to do it. Like that was one of those ambiguous type of things, you know? Well, and he's Hanzo is much like focused on the samurai sense of honor, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is yeah, which is very telling to me because samurai viewed um, ninja as honorless. Yes, like. They they were almost you know they weren't thieves but they they were on par with thieves. They well, were just, they were I mean, I hesitate. The, I mean, I hesitate to assume that he's yeah. But I I guess I see where you're going. With it that. it does kind of seem like Hanzo identifies a little bit more with the samurai code. Yes, with I would the Bushido with as mm-hmm. as opposed to Genji, who's much more into the Hedonistic. for lack of a better word, ninja ing. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, in the end, the whole entire ordeal ordeal with his yeah. brother, he did end up rejecting his father's legacy and and leaving yeah. and abandoning the clan, uh, which he worked so hard. So, I mean, obviously, he does care about his brother, and I felt like he had a very tough situation. Like, do I uphold the honor of my dad and my clan, or you know, and do this act, or do I just, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you know? You yeah. know what I mean. So, yeah. And and Penn's Halo in the chat has it 100% correct. It is a very Yakuza vibe in the Shimada crime family. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And the Yakuza essentially used a bastardized form of the Bushido code to kind of, you know, for their for their criminal for their criminal gain. There's there's a lot of talk of, and it's kind of this confliction of terms where you're speaking of honor all the time and then you're committing, you know, you're in an ongoing criminal enterprise. So, um, well, and it's Hanzo, um, I think, do they have, I'm assuming that this was intentional. Yeah. Hattori Hanzo, um, who was a really famous samurai and, you know, a pretty big historical icon. Yeah, Hattori Hanzo was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Hattori Hanzo. He was he was a very big Japanese historical icon and a very famous samurai. Um, okay. And I think that yeah, that's I'm looking for the yeah. They, that's who that made was, the it was sword a and Kill Bill. <laughs> and then I'm gonna see. I'm I'm curious if Genji's name has a similar reference. Let me see if I can find their trivia. Yeah. Yeah, so the tale of Genji is a reference is the reference that Genji had. Um and Genji's is Yeah, the tale of Genji also has a very similar playboy-esque character and stuff like that. So Oh. And uh Hanzo and Genji were originally the same character. They were originally intended hmm. to be the same. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, from a from a development standpoint, yeah. I I did forget about that. Um they were, and my God, I'm so glad they split those two up. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Imagine, oh my God, that would be the most OP character in Overwatch. <laughs> it would be horrible. Oh so. my God, that'd be awful. That'd be awful. It would be horrible. So, um, we mentioned Mercy real quick, but the reason Genji looks the way he does is because of Mercy. 
uh, we'll touch on more what Mercy does. She kind of just like, hey, I'm going to play Frankenstein here, and I'm going to make you a robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna yeah, GG <laughs> ethics. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, also, yeah. also, I believe, I believe, and I don't know where I, I read or heard this, but um, I, I believe the sword in the two dragons cinematic, um, the digital short that Hanzo is kneeling before is actually the sword that he killed. Well, presumably killed Genji with tried to kill Genji with that would make sense. And after that, after having supposedly killed his brother, he forwent the sword. And that was when he took up the bow. He was actually a swordsman uh, in the beginning, in the beginning, he was a swordsman. And then when, uh, of course, of course, after the trauma of having to kill his own brother, he he decided he would never pick up a sword again. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he only killed one of his brothers, though, right? Well, wasn't, yeah, Genji. wasn't there wasn't there another brother that <laughs> he would never kill Eugene? <laughs> uh, but this is definitely the the mark. I think I think this the the Blizzard is definitely put a lot of stock into soldier 76's storyline mm-hmm. and it's a pivotal, a pivotal one. Um, and it, it'd probably be way more important to the overarching story of overwatch than the, the Hanzo Genji okay. saga. But I think this is the one that a lot of people will latch on to a lot like direct in your and, uh, Jaron Ward and destiny. I think this is the storyline that a lot of people will gravitate towards just because mm-hmm. it has all those classic story elements of familial strife and betrayal and reunion. And, and the way they did the storytelling with the two dragons is just immense. It was awesome. I love that one. So that's probably my favorite short out of all of them. What well, do you want right. to do? You want to tackle? 76 next yeah, or do you I'll, want to go to McCree? Uh yeah, I'll do McCree. I'll do McCree real quick cuz she should he should be pretty quick. Um Jesse McCree uh is 37 years old from America and he's a bounty hunter from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh and his actual affiliate affiliations he used to be an Overwatch agent and a Blackwatch agent. Um Essentially, um, McCree had kind of already made a name for himself as a, as a member of the notorious Deadlock gang. Um, and they were just a criminal, a criminal organization that, you know, they trafficked weapons, military hardware through the Southwest. Uh, him and his associates were busted in an Overwatch thing. Uh, and he was given the choice between being in prison or joining Blackwatch. They were like, hey, we've got this you know, group of very questionable individuals that actually try to do some good. Why don't you come over here with them? And then he said justice was not going to dispense itself, so he went and did it. Um, you know, and he was kind of a cynical character. I mean, he was a criminal. Uh, but he came to believe that he could kind of make amends for his past by writing the injustices of the world. Uh, and he also kind of appreciated being in the moral gray area that uh, Blackwatch kind of 
kind of lived in. Uh, and he actually kind of was taught, you know, the finer points of uh, tactical maneuvering by Gabriel Reyes, who was, of course, is now Reaper. Uh, but, you know, as Overwatch kind of started getting close to the fall, the rogue elements within Blackwatch sought to bring down the organization and turn it to their own ends. And McCree didn't want any part of this. So he kind of broke off on his own and went underground. Um, he he kind of resurfaces a little bit later as just a vigilante. Um, he, you know, he just, it's kind of fighting for, you know, fighting for what he believes in. Um, and then of course, um, if you haven't read the digital comics, please go to uh, the uh, what's the website? Blue can link it. He's good at that stuff. But um, McCree's is called Train Hopper, um, and he's actually on top of a hyper train, which is a really fast express train uh, headed for Houston. And he uh, he encounters a group of a group of operatives using black watch methods, which we know later is actually Talon, which is just a reskinned black watch. And he gives them, you know, he gives them their money's worth, gives them a fight. Um, and just, yeah, just now he's just kind of this gunslinger, just kind of, he's lone wolf, lone wolf McQuaid at the moment. Let me see. I'm trying to see what his origin skin is. I can't see it. He's got one called Riverboat. That's amazing. Okay, so. <laughs> Anyhow, um, it might be called his vigilante skin. Is that the origin? I call it the zoot suit. <laughs> the root, the the zoot suit. suit. Uh, yeah, it looks like a zoot suit to me. But Why, I mean, McCree? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I would rather go with his his like I don't know on the range one or something. Yeah, I like the chatter white. Um, chatter white. <laughs> yeah, ch- every character in Overwatch that I play with, I will get the chatter white skin. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Just that's just me. So, do uh, I guess Mel, you want to get Farah? I can do Pharaoh. And then we'll group up Reaper in 76. Yeah, we'll put them in one giant thing. So um, with Farah, um, she was one of those hopefuls of getting into the Overwatch program. Um, and one of the reasons was that her mom had was actually in Overwatch. So, and in case you don't know, we'll get to it probably a little bit later, but Anna is actually Farrah's mom. So, um, but yeah, so she, she had a good relationship with her mom. Um, her mom taught her a bunch of martial arts and everything like that. And she grew up in the company with the other Overwatch people. So she wanted to follow her mother's footsteps, obviously, but her mom was like, no, 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 you do not do that. So she, <clears throat> she was always, you know, kind of like, hey, no, you can't go do that thing. Um, but despite the, that, she decided to go ahead and uh, enlist into the Egyptian army because obviously Overwatch is not around anymore. She's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. So she um, um, was able to have really high tactical prowess and she rose up through the ranks very, very, very quickly. 
and she had a good leadership qualities and she was very, very loyal also. So um, she was uh, getting ready to go into Overwatch, but obviously that didn't happen. And so when she graduated from the army, basically when she was done with her service, uh, she was offered employment by the Helix Security International which was a private security firm contracted to defend artificial intelligence research facilities in uh, Giza, Giza, sorry, Giza, uh, the Giza Plateau. Um, so it was a top secret facility. Uh, was on, uh, sorry, I'm reading through all the, the little bits I don't remember. Uh, the top secret facility was touted as a vital to safety of not only the region, but the country across the globe. Uh, she willingly agreed to the assignment and she received training in the Raptor Mark IV, which is the cool little suit you see her flying around and has all the bullets and just above. Basically, yeah. So <laughs> except for no Falco punch. There's none yeah. of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um and then she started going in with the call sign Farah um and with a PH instead of how she spelled her normal name, which is F-A-R-E-E-H-A. So, um, but yeah. And then uh, she worked to protect, protect the safeguard AI installation. And why she mourned Overwatch's passion, she still dreamed of a good fight and making a difference on a global scale. So um, there you have it. Pretty basic for her. Nothing too tragic. So. Nice. Nice, yeah. She seemed to have a... Fairly normal childhood, if as as normal as you can have with this Overwatch sniper as a mother. Yeah, it's interesting because when we start going through this, a lot of these origin stories are very depressing. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, um, she's one of the few that had kind of like, hey, I had an okay childhood, and no one really died that I knew of, and I worked hard, and I was able to achieve what I wanted to do. Cool. So not not as rosy for other people in the Overwatch realm, such as yes. Reaper and Soldier 76. Okay, Justin will take Reaper. Uh, Death walks among you. He's an awful person. He's an awful, <laughs> awful, awful person. Okay, His real name quick. Is... <laughs> real, real what? quick. We're gonna go on. A, we're gonna have a dad joke moment because this is Dad oh, seventy six yeah. and stuff. Um, what dad is Reaper's favorite dessert? <sighs> oh, this is my wheelhouse. Ah, what is it? Pie, pie, pie. <laughs> I like it. Okay, okay. I'm gonna share one with you just because you did that. Just, just because you did that. See this what, is my see impersonation. What see what you started. This, this is my impersonation of Hanzo playing Oregon Trail. Only a Shimada controls the wagons. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. I need to make an 8-bit an eight-bit gif of that and just shot Hanzo on top of a covered wagon. Oh just my God. Up. I'm so I'm sorry. I'm using that, by the way. I'm using that, by the way. Take it. So, <laughs> so, we have Gabriel Reyes, age unknown, American mercenary, United States military before being in Overwatch. Uh, 
and Black Watch and obviously Talon. Um, he is pretty screwed up at present. But anyhow, um, right now, as we see him, Reaper's cells actually simultaneously decay and regenerate at a hyper-accelerated rate. Even after the, the complete destruction of his body, Reaper has been observed to retain some kind of form like a black mist, apparently able to regain physical form at a later point. Um, we'll find out this is kind of thanks to everyone's favorite mercy. Um, <laughs> oh, mercy. Yeah, oh, mercy. Mercy me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, the man who would later be known as Reaper was actually known as Gabriel Reyes. He was born in Los Angeles prior to the Omnic crisis. He joined the United States military and he achieved a senior officer position and was a veteran. He was really highly respected. At some point, at some point he met Jack Morrison and the two became friends. Subsequently, in the midst of the Omnic crisis, they joined Overwatch together. A small elite task force created by the United Nations to deal with the Omnic threat. Reyes was never given leadership of the group. So that's that comes out to be kind of a, a sore spot for him. I think he really wanted command uh, where Jack got it and um, Jack was better looking. And, you know, it's I, th- I don't think that sat well with Reaper. I don't think Reaper liked that. So... Um, after Overwatch defeated the Omnics, Morrison, who played a key role in shaping the group, was given the, predition- the position of Strike Commander. Acting as the first official commander of- commanding officer of Overwatch, Reyes was passed over in the process, which created a rift between the two men. At some point, Reyes was part of Overwatch's Black, Black Watch unit. Um, we don't know if he was... A- founding member if he was i kind of envision it as being like okay you won't give me overwatch well fine let me do this other thing and um and then the tension between reyes and morrison kind of worsened and worsened um overwatch kind of met its end like we talked about through the accusations on their reputation and reyes himself um Officially, Reyes and Morrison were killed in the blast that destroyed Overwatch's Swiss headquarters. And we know, we know, we'll find out later when we talk about Mercy, that after this explosion, Mercy actually saves Reyes, um, where he is now able to be Reaper and make everyone's life <laughs> awful. Um <laughs> And what else do I have on? Yeah, so it's kind of speculated that um, Reaper was a byproduct of a failed genetic alteration, which forced his cells to simultaneously decay and regenerate at a hyper-accelerated rate. Um, You know, those who attempt to track his movements kind of see a pattern of his appearances. That, That kind of, you know explains why when he teleports, you can see where he's going to land and then, you know, get ready. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's Reaper. He's everyone's favorite. And if there's something bad happening right now, he is probably the cause of it. Um, 
his his origin skin is actually is actually a black watch skin. So if you don't, if you haven't seen that one, check it out because you can actually see what black watch Gabriel Reyes looked like. Which pains me to say it, but he kind of looks like a bamf. Um, That's the one on. with the skull cap, right? Yes, yeah. He looks mm-hmm. like he's a, a character Ooh. in the division. Makes me like him less. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you just salt because you've been wrecked by one too many reapers. Is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just a bit. Just a bit. Just yes. Just a tinge. So, Blue, you want to take Soldier 76, the other side of this coin? <clears throat> yeah. Um, and Soldier 76, uh, you know, like like we've kind of kind of alluded to, he has a history as well, and it's very tied in with Reapers and actually is a pretty extensive one for, for what I'm seeing. Um, so he, he is... Jack Morrison and, and the founder, well, the leader of Overwatch. Um, Morrison, I think his, let me, I'm just trying to gauge here. He kind of got his start in the military at the, the young age of 18 during the Omnic crisis. Um, and he, he really didn't intend to, uh, to go far. It sounds like it just kind of, you know, was doing a stint, you know, because it was what was the right thing to do, kind of. And then he was actually planning on just going back home and, you know, going on with his life. But because of his worth ethic and just like the high courage that he had during his service that kind of caught the eye of the military brass. And really, it wasn't long before he, he kind of started getting coveted positions within the government's, um, soldier enhancement program. Um, basically they, they ended up giving him, I mean, he's basically captain America. Um, he was, he was kind of given superhuman speed, strength and agility along with a few other soldiers. And they kind of used those abilities to, to really become overwatch and to kind of neutralize the Omnic threat. Um, this is I, I'm thinking this is around the time that he was actually introduced to Reyes, uh, who was a, a senior officer and who became they became friends very quickly with each other, uh, despite very, very different backgrounds. And they actually decided to join Overwatch together. Um, so it was it was a decision that was actually made in in you know, friend, a friendly moment. Um, but whereas Overwatch, the leadership of Overwatch was given to Reyes, Morrison is actually viewed as having a greater impact on the group in the long term. Most, I mean, there is the negative impact that he had, but again, kind of like what we were talking about during the timeline thing, you know, Reyes's Overwatch and the Overwatch process was really to be poster childs for the United Nations to be like, yeah, see, we're doing something. Whereas Blackwatch was really the wet work, um, they were the ones that were actually going out into the field and probably doing what needed to be done. Um, and it doesn't really seem like at first they had a huge, you know, division between of them. Um, but it started really coming down to the fact that in the post omnic crisis world, Reyes was, um, 
continuously passed over. Uh, he he just was continue. You know, Blackwatch wasn't really needed anymore. Overwatch was, you know, the UN peacekeeping. You don't need it. You don't need a black ops unit when there is no war, basically. Um, and this this really created the rift that Justin was talking about. And you know, Reyes was not very happy about this. And Morrison just kept gaining more and more uh, popularity. He became the face of Overwatch, you know, the symbol of hope and promise. You know, everyone knew Morrison's figure, you know, face and figure in, you know, the statues of Morrison. Um, and he, he always kind of saw a bright future for humanity. And so, like, under his leadership, Overwatch served as the peacekeeping force and an engine for innovation. Uh, you have, like, the advancements in scientific fields such as space exploration and medical research. And the thing about Morrison was that even as Overwatch grew, uh, he really stayed dedicated to the people around him. Like he, he was very involved in training new agents and putting, you know, instilling in them the noble goals and ideals of Overwatch. Um, and it, it, so like he, he was very, very good at staying humble, even though, even in the face of all the, the fame, um, trying to see what what it really what really happened but i mean so we we kind of talked about this a little bit but like you know a few decades after the omnic crisis overwatch was basically forced uh they they started getting allegations of very serious misconduct um and the media basically turned on him. Uh, more and Morrison was doing his best to hold it together, but then Reyes started leading uh, his own rebellion within the forces. So he's he's fighting a front a war with two fronts. Um, and it actually that was when the Swiss headquarters situation came up, and it actually was Morrison and Reyes that actually physically came to blows with one another. Um, and so that was the moment where Morrison and Rays were presumed to be, or they were officially announced to be dead after that explosion. Um, and that was the kind of the birth of who we know as Soldier 76. Now, Morrison is supposedly buried at the Arlington National Cemetery. Um, and it's interesting, Reinhardt, who is another figure that we'll get to, actually, actually was one of the key speakers during his funeral. Um, which is an interesting little connection there. But, um, I mean, even, even today, Morrison's statues are still, still, you know, very, very much in demand and very reverently looked at. But, uh, it was, it was about five years after the overwatch was disbanded with the, I believe it's the pet Petraeus act. Was that the, the signature that was, that they said that Overwatch was illegal. Yeah, yes. Petrus. Petrus. Okay. Um, Petrus. There was there was there was growing reports of a vigilante who wore a coat with a big seventy six, um, and basically he was known he was only known as Soldier seventy six, um, and he actually was known for stealing Overwatch tech. Uh, they he stole a pulse rifle and then uh he keeps he kept escaping the personnel and you know basically because he knows what they're going to be doing um 
And he actually ends up being the target of an international manhunt. Um, and all these raids throughout his early years of being a vigilante was actually just to grow his arsenal, which kind of makes sense. And then he went on to wage a personal war to uh, expose the truth behind Overwatch's collapse. So he's actually kind of on a mission of vengeance here against, I'm assuming at this point, Talon and, well, mostly mm-hmm. Reyes. So, and I, th- I think that's kind of where we get to his short, which was in, was that in Dorado? Was that his? Yep. Where he was yeah, like the, was. the uh, little girl, which was a really, it was, that was actually a really good one too. So. Yeah, they've all been pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a thing. She says, she says, uh, are you one of them? One of them, one of those heroes. And he says, I used to be. So I kind of get the feeling from him that the gloves are off. He's like, yeah. yes, I used yeah. to be Captain America. I'm not Captain America anymore. Yeah. I'm, well, he got, you know, he got killed. He's not, he is yeah. not Captain America anymore. He is. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that when, when that whole thing happened, that's exactly what happened. It was, he realized, oh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes to, to deal with things, you have to become Batman. <laughs> just like a real Batman, not like a bat flick. I'm not, I'm not even going to touch that. I'm, I'm not even going to start that conversation. <laughs> so moving on, uh, Mel, do you want to grab tracer? Yeah, I can toast grab tracer. So, all right, guys, prepare, prepare for feels. This is where you start. Getting <laughs> oh heavy yeah. This, this story is tough. Like this is actually a really kind of a, yeah. Okay, so Tracer. Um, she Tracer is actually her, it's her call sign. She actually Elena Austin, um, but she was one of the youngest people to ever be included into Overwatch's experimental flight program. She was known to be a very fearless pilot, and she was handpicked to test a prototype of a teleporting fighter fighter called the Sips. God, I cannot speak right now. Slipstream. And fun fact, she actually has like the Slipstream outfit mm-hmm. as one of her skins. So, yeah. Anyways. Um, but during its first flight, the aircraft teleportation matrix malfunctioned and she disappeared. So everyone thought that she was dead. We don't know what happened to her. Bye-bye, Tracer. Um, but months later, she actually reappeared, but the whole ordeal had changed her. Um, it actually made that her monocle molecules had been desynchronized from the flow of time so she suffered from this chronicle disassociation type of thing um, meaning that she was essentially a living ghost and she would appear disappear for hours to days at a time um, if for brief moments she would be present and was unable to maintain physical form so yeah essentially she was a ghost like people you she couldn't interact with people you know she couldn't really do much of anything um, sometimes she even had strange dreams about the past, including being a kitchen maid at a large house in the country. I don't know where that comes from. Um, <laughs> but lots of Overwatch doctors and scientists were kind of stumped by her situation and they didn't really know how to do anything or fix anything. Um, they kind of told her, I'm sorry, it's hopeless. We don't know what to do. Um, and in swoops, our favorite gorilla buddy, 
Winston. So um, he designed a coronal accelerator, which basically made it to where Tracer could be anchored in the present. Um, it also gave her the wonderful ability that all Tracer people that play her love to do. She can control her own time. So she's allowed to speed it up or slow it down um, at will. So she was able, with newfound skills, to become one of the most effective agents in the Overwatch um, thing. Oh, people think not able to vocabulary right now. Um, so at some point she was stationed at Watchpoint Gibraltar, which we all know um, is the area where, where Winston is. So, uh, but since the disillusion of Overwatch, she continued to right wrongs and triumph over evil. So, which we've seen many times in a lot of the Overwatch shorts. Um, the first one that you saw, you see her in there trying to defend the little kids. And then you see her go against uh, Widowmaker and trying to prevent the assassination, which she essentially failed because it was either her or the guy um, that, that leads uh, somebody. So she kind of like decided that, well, I don't want to die, but I guess you can die, bro. <laughs> it's cool. I don't mind. So, <laughs> you're, so you're in the camp with Justin that it's her fault. <clears throat> uh, not, it's, it's not like she pulled the trigger, but, and also like the situation for which that she disappeared, she couldn't, I mean, she could have, but there's a good possibility. She didn't know that Widowmaker was actually aiming for the robot dude instead oh, of her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you, they're so far away from the actual area where the leader is at. Like, they're they're blocks and blocks yeah. away. It's a and weird sideline. <clears throat> yeah, and you just see Widowmaker, like, she's jumping back and you're aiming down her sights. And then, you know, Tracer appears right there and she pulls the trigger and you see Tracer kind of give this, oh, shh, face. And then she goes intangible, basically, and goes back. And then you actually see that Widowmaker wasn't aiming for Tracer necessarily. She was aiming for her initial target and killed him. So, um, so I mean, it can be interpreted in many ways. Um, I don't know if Tracer knew that was what was going on or um, if she just like, just said, you know what? I'm done. You know what? I'm not actually paid for this stuff. So, <laughs> bye. <laughs> like, I'm not I just want to be. Overwatch. Yeah, I want to be clear. Uh, that was me being super harsh on Tracer. I don't really believe that she meant for Mandata to get shot in the head. I don't yeah. need horrible emails from Tracer fans. Um, yeah, uh, I don't really believe that was orchestrated. That all happened very quickly. And mm-hmm. even if Tracer had taken one for the team, proverbially, uh, where would Widowmaker's next shot have gone? Right, right until the right. robots hit. So I mean, yeah. either way. So. so I mean, either either way, it was a crappy situation. So, but yeah. So yeah. So that's that's Tracer, and everyone loves her her lovely lines. So like, she oh, has yeah. love. <laughs> Gallery's here. Uh, I just want to see here. her as a maid now. That's yeah. Why is that not? Why is that what, not just, one of her like? Yeah. Why is that not a skin? skin? Yeah, like they have these weird punk ones, which don't really relate at all. Like that, sh- there should be a cute little maid skin. Like, come on. Oh, uh, they they'd probably get in trouble for that. But um, they, got, they got in trouble <laughs> for her default skin. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah <clears throat> so. Good yeah. on them. To be good fair, 
for those of you that don't know, they really, so her famous pose is her kind of like leaping, but one leg is still touching the ground almost. And the other leg is kind of like kicked up against like her thigh. Um, and then she kind of like turns around, holds her gun up at a 90 degree angle and her arms kind of like at her side. She turns around and you can tell she's like, cheers, love, you know? Well, when they released art for it, they kind of just had it from the back. So yeah, it was and, like, over the shoulder. Yeah, over the shoulder, which it's not a bad, it's not risque or anything like that. But like people were just all up in arms about it for quote unquote over sexualizing her. But I'm like, She's in a bodysuit, guys, and she has a harness around her legs like a flight person, mm-hmm. you know, like the flight suits. You know, they had the harnesses for, like, when they get ejected. Anyways, so, like, it's uh, people. Uh, yeah. Widowmaker. So, Widowmaker is more <laughs> offensive than Tracer is. I think that's because <laughs> Tracer came off it... as. Yeah, she's not. Like, Widowmaker is definitely like that sexy symbol you know, sexy symbol of you know feminism and that she's like she doesn't need no man but because i'm a badass sniper type of person whereas tracer's more like hey guys i'm your buddy you know let's let's go have fun you know, like the kind of <laughs> goody to shoe wouldn't really be seen do that type of pose and i think people were more upset that it was a demonization of character not necessarily that it was a picture of a so where right. were we? Uh, we were wrapping up Tracer. Okay, so let's do Bastion. I can grab Bastion real quick. Let me get... Yeah, we got a lot of paper to go through. Yes, I was about two shakes from rebooting, so... Yeah, we're gonna... Torbjorn might get short shrift here. So Bastion is... Um, why does it say age 30? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so because wasn't the Omni Crisis thirty years ago? And yeah, I guess that's yeah, Bastion was the last one made. There you go. He doesn't have a birth date. He has a commission date. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Bastion is an SST Laboratories Siege Automation E fifty four Omnic frame. Um, he is capable of being a punk and uh, <laughs> camping. camping. Yeah, and doing mouth trumpet. Um, let's see. Once a frontline combatant in the devastating Omnic crisis, this curious Bastion unit now explores the world. Fascinated by nature, but wary of a fearful humanity. And uh, if you've seen his origin skin, which like most people, I don't know how, it seems like everyone has Bastion has this. It's the overgrown skin, so it's he's got like a bird's nest on one shoulder, and he's got like weeds all over him. Um, originally created for peacekeeping purposes, Bastion robots possess the unique ability to rapidly reconfigure themselves into assault cannon mode because nothing says peace like a cannon. Um, but during the Omnic crisis, they were turned against their human makers, forming the bulk of the Omnic's rebel army. So the Omnic army was rank and file made up of mostly bastions. Um, Now one bastion unit severely damaged in the final battles of war was left forgotten for over a decade. So after the Omnic crisis, um, all the bastion units were decommissioned, but one lonely unit was left and uh, missed in the decommissioning. And he is the bastion we actually know and love in game right now. Um, he's 
he has kind of a curiosity about nature and at most most times he seems not even harm harmful he seems just like gentle mm-hmm. um but uh you know he kind of he kind of avoids heavily populated areas obviously because he's an omnic bastion unit but uh other than that we don't know much about him he's kind of an an enigma and he's like the everyman for the omnic you know he's he's not an individual at all <laughs> and he has a bird and he has a bird um so i think we can go from there from bastion we've already covered hanzo um we kind of already covered junkrat in roadhog too there's really not much yeah, more think, me to add on to that <clears throat> i don't think i don't think so other than that uh junkrat's awesome <laughs> do we want to real quick we can touch on may and torbjorn and kind of move it along yeah we can do that May's got a pretty interesting, pretty interesting story. Um, so May was actually a climatologist. Um, yes. And she was actually, um, and was it Antarctica? She was actually studying uh, the changing weather patterns. She was struck with an awful polar storm and her and her fellow scientists were all trapped at which point she froze each one of them and made them watch made them watch her eat all the food and then she ice spiked each one of them before going no that's not in the lore that's not there but she's <laughs> awful like, she's awful it? yeah she she no i think she killed everyone last one of those okay <laughs> there's everybody died and she walked through there with sorry 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 but no so <laughs> So she then took she then took her um, cryogenic tech with her after she was freed. And that's where she gets her, you know, her special abilities and weapons now. And it's all centered around freezing you. She's devoted herself to try to kind of understanding what caused that the the polar storm that trapped her. Yeah. Also, no, she is one of those ones that was alive during the age of the crisis, but then she's frozen and then reawoken. And so that's why she's not as old looking as Mm -hmm. she probably should. So I think that pretty well gets May out of the way. Um, Do you want to do Torbjorn? I want to do Widowmaker. Okay, I'll do Tor because he's my favorite. (laughs) He's All my right. favorite. Um, All right. Okay, we good, Blue? Yep. Okay, cool. Build them up. Break them down. Uh, Torbjorn. Torbjorn Lindholm is one of the greatest weaponsmiths and engineers in the world, and he has a low opinion of Omnics, believing them to be incapable of empathy, instead acting purely on logic. If you ever play with Torbjorn on the King's Row map, he will make a comment uh, something to the effect of Omnic rights, he'll spit and he'll say that the Brits had it correct. Um, but before the Omnic crisis, Torbjorn gained a lot of notoriety designing weapon systems used by countries around the world. Um, and he actually uh, is part of the Ironclad Guild, which is a foundry 
that created Omnic Titans. If you've if you have uh, read his digital comic, the the giant Omnic that he goes in to disable is actually one of his. That's he makes multiple multiple uh, kind of mentions of this has been changed or you know who did this. It's almost like when Han Solo comes back to the Millennium Falcon and everything's been screwed with. Um, but let's see. In the years that followed the fall of a post-Omnic crisis, uh, Torbjorn remained a critical critical resource um, for all of Overwatch's technological needs. And we we learned shortly thereafter that he is actually instrumental in in making Anna's biotic rifle. Um, And yes, the biotic rifle. Um, and that's pretty that's pretty much it there's there's rumor that that uh Torbjorn and Reinhardt actually belong to the same guild just because there's similar markings on Reinhardt's default skin as there are on Torbjorn's kind of armor plates but that hasn't been that hasn't been uh um confirmed yeah I think that's Pretty much it. If we want to move on to, I believe, Widowmaker. Didn't Trogdor have something to do with Mercy's rifle? Wasn't there an argument? Well, it's not Mercy's. It's not Mercy's rifle. Um, he he prototyped Anna's rifle, oh, which okay. is the biotic rifle. And basically, what he did was he used the concept of Mercy's staff. Oh no, that's right. He, that's right. Yeah. And he weaponized it, much to the dismay of Angela Ziegler, who is Mercy. And she she believes that weaponizing biotic technology is a very slippery slope that will leave to, that will lead to nerve gas and you know, uh, you know, like uh, she's chemi- to talk. <laughs> yeah, I love oh, Mercy. But- oh Mercy! Oh Mercy! Mercy! Anyway, no, okay. Mercy. So Widowmaker. Uh, again, prepare for feels, people, because this one hits you right in the feels. Okay. Um, in her former life, Maker was married to Gerald. I'm not going to say his last name because I do not know French, and I do not know how to pronounce that. It was a French dude. Uh, and he was an Overwatch agent spearheading a operations against Talon. Um, however, I, they tried many times to get him, but unfortunately, they always were unable to. So they started to change the focus onto his wife, Amelia. Um, one of the operatives ended up kidnapping her and subjugated her to intense programming of neural reconditioning. So basically, they tortured her and, and reprogrammed her to suit their needs. Um, they broke her will. They suppressed her personality and reprogrammed her as a special agent. Uh, she was eventually found by Overwatch agents, but apparently none of the worse for wear, and she was just put back into her life with her husband. Um, however, two weeks after that she was placed back into her house, she killed her husband in his sleep. Uh, so that was basically her mission, and uh, she wasn't just a special agent, she was a sleeper agent. So her mission was complete, and she ended up returning to Talon, and they completed the process of turning her into a living weapon. 
she was given extensive training in the covert arts, and then her physiology was altered, drastically slowing her heart down, which made her skin cold. So the that blue exterior that you see of her skin, it's because her heart has slowed so much that her skin, that her blood is not actually pumping um, at the pace that it normally should. So it's making her skin change color to that very cool feeling. Um, and the Basically, the reason why they did it is that way so she is able to actually control her snipes much easier. Because, you know, if you've ever shot guns, um, you want to basically, right when you get ready to pull the trigger, you want to exhale really, do a big exhale, and then pull. So um, basically, that's kind of what what they're doing here. So... She uh, was basically turned into Widowmaker. She was no longer Amelia. She was Widowmaker. Um, she became one of the most effective assassins and feeling little satisfaction of a job well done. Um, as far as Overwatch knew, she had been kidnapped. So no one really knew what had been going, like what happened to her. Um, Widowmaker was a present in the anti-Talon operation conducted by Overwatch as a force led by Jax Morrison rescued a number of scientists that Talon had taken hostage. While Overwatch was successful in this regard, Widowmaker was able to take out a number of the agents. The operation led to a sniper duel between her and Anna uh, as they made their way through the urban terrain. Uh, Anna was able to temporarily incapacitate her uh, by hitting her in the helmet, but upon seeing Widowmaker's face, she froze, recognizing her as Amelia. It was all it was all the time Widowmaker needed to get take her own shot, shooting Anna through the barrel of her own rifle and into her eye. So, um, yeah, so we know her as also the operative in the short that went to go try to kill. Well, not try. She seated uh, the Sambali leader. Um, had her little tussle with Tracer, which we already talked about. Um, and she was also in that first short when she was trying to steal the Doom Fist with Reaper. So there you go. So um, I think we already talked about Diva. Um, Do you want to touch on Reinhardt at all? Yes, we can. I'll I'll grab Reinhardt real quick. Reinhardt is fastly becoming one of my favorites because you actually – you become a hero when you play Reinhardt. You literally put everything aside and say, I'm just going to push this thing. You guys, take a break. Um, justice will be done. Um, but his name is Reinhardt Wilhelm and he, he's kind of – this this kind of uh, old-fashioned – um, kind of, I don't know, like almost an Arthurian, you know, knight at, at times he thinks he is. Um, but he is actually the oldest, the oldest member of Overwatch at 61 years of age, which everyone acts like that's a big deal. Torbjorn's 57. He's not that much older than Torbjorn, but he is an old fella. Um, he is one of the founding members of Overwatch. Uh, and da, 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 da. Yeah, his unique ethics and larger-than-life persona earned the admiration of his peers and superiors alike. He's never afraid to speak his mind. He's Overwatch's most vocal supporter and, when necessary, its harshest critic providing a constant reminder that Overwatch was meant to be a force for good. He 
he is very good friends with Torbjorn, and uh, because Torbjorn maintained his armor. Um, at some point, <laughs> he was stationed at Watchpoint Gibraltar, where he got a tan, and that's I think that's actually from a piece of battle dialogue. Um, post Overwatch, he was actually retired. Um, well, actually, he was retired post Omnic Crisis, so he actually had to watch the fall of of Overwatch from the sidelines. Um, and then post Overwatch, he kind of did the same thing McCree did. Where he just kind of roamed around, roamed around as a uh, kind of just like a vigilante crime fighter. He just tried to do good wherever he went, and he has the he has the really cool um, comic where he uh, where he just happens to be between towns somewhere in somewhere in Europe, and uh, he goes into town for supplies and finds finds that this gang called the Dragons have actually taken over the whole town. And he gets his butt kicked and then he goes back and gets his power suit and uh, then he goes to fight him. And Blizzard has said a couple times they kind of see him almost like a Don Quixote type character because he's always kind of tilting at windmills. And in this in this comic, it kind of confirms it because when he goes to fight the whole the whole uh, gang, he's actually picturing dragons which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, he, uh, there is a bit of footage in the first, we are overwatch kind of trailer of him, of him protecting some Omnics on King's row. So we know that he was there. Um, and yeah, just Reinhardt is the epitome of a defender, a hero, you know, someone who defends the weak with his, uh, shield and he's he's really super fun to play especially if you have bad aim he's just bopping people with a hammer <laughs> that's pretty much it <laughs> so blue just do you want to grab your uh i think the the character that's most like you in the game pinata no winston oh that one <laughs> Oh, you got me all excited for... Yeah, I'll grab one. Some pinata lore. Are you calling me a giant no, ape? No, you're not an ape. You're a scientist. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, so, as we kind of mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Winston is one of the super intelligent, genetically engineered gorillas that was originally up on the... I believe it was the Luna, Lunar Colony... Um, and he, he is like, imagination is the essence of discovery. Um, and there was a short with him as an infant, um, which is where we learned that he really likes peanut butter. Um, but he was, he was basically a, a prodigy of the, I guess you would call them residents. Um, and he was actually taken as a, a I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd call him a student, but a personal project of Dr. Dr. Harold Winston, who was one of the leading scientists there, I guess the leading scientist there. And, uh, Dr. Winston taught 
the unnamed gorilla at that time, science, and kind of inspired him to do what he does today with tales of human ingenuity. Um, and so he, he basically spent his days in the lunar colony, uh, assisting with scientist experiment, you know, and just kind of looking looking out at Earth. Um, it was always this, like, distant thing that he, you know, was his source of dreams and his inspiration. Um, however, as, uh, you know, anyone who knows anything about super intelligent gorillas, uh, there's a really good book about this. Uh, there was an uprising and the gorillas led an uprising, killing all the mission of scientists and actually claimed the colony for their own. Um, at which point Winston took on the name of his, his human caretaker and actually built a rocket and escaped back to earth. Um, which actually kind of leaves me curious about what the gorillas are doing on the moon. But, um, yeah, so he he came back and actually found a home with Overwatch. Uh, he he was actually kind of, and he kind of became. Uh, he kind of designed a lot of stuff. I mean, he he is he's the 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 quintessential you know research. He's the cue to all the Overwatch agents. Um, he is, as we talked about with Tracer, he is kind of the key figure to why we even have Tracer in the in the world right now. He designed the uh, what's called the Chronal Accelerator, um, which basically provides a solution to the disassociation of temporality that Tracer was faced with, um, and so they're they're very closely tied in their history. Um, and then he actually is the one that recalled all the agents as the introduction to the game shows. Um, and I believe that's all taking place at, is it Gibraltar? Is that where that, yes. That Watch short video, Gibraltar. um, which is where, uh, Reaper is trying to steal all his, all his agents information. And Winston kind of goes, bright red he he kind of turns into a super saiyan monkey for a minute there but um <laughs> i mean really he kind of does he just but uh so and then and then he kind of goes back into he actually kind of seems to take a uh, he goes into the field uh after that um and he's he's much more of a i think he's more of a defender type character in my opinion he's got like the shield and he can i don't know he doesn't really he just annoys me when we play with him. Um, he does. He chases me around. I play. I play a healing. So it's like he just chases me around with his little static electricity gun, and it just annoys me. Um, but yeah, he he. I think that's kind of the where it left off. Um, I'm trying to read this just real fast. Uh, it's it's basically the the attack from Reaper and Widowmaker trying to retrieve Doomfist Gauntlet kind of goads him back into action with Tracer. And uh, then he he actually goes back to the watch point and... Um, oh, he goes back to the watch point where he launches the drone and that is the drone, the satellite drone that actually reinstall or reintegrates the Overwatch communication network, so that he can commu- he can basically continue monitoring the network. You know, where from that point and continue doing what he had been doing with Overwatch previously. And so that's kind of uh, 
That's kind of Winston, I think. I, as far as trivia, I don't really know much about when. I mean, uh, it says here that he was one of the hardest characters to animate due to the variety of armor pieces that he wears. Um, I do know that when we were out at E3, they Microsoft has a a um, a specific or a specially designed computer console that is modeled off of the Winston statue. It was a really really mm. cool thing. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was really fun. It's the uh, the the basically the tower is his backpack. Um, so that was that was kind of cool. But yeah, yeah. I think that gets Winston. Um, so Zarya, we already talked about. Um, Anna's, we've gone over. Do we want to do Lucio? Uh, not, we can, there's yeah. really not much to him. He just kind of was like, hey, I'm a DJ. I want to make people feel good. Hey, I developed this thing. Okay, hi. Yeah, he actually <laughs> stole... He stole his um, his gun. What would you call his his sonic amplifier from the? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, let me remember from the same company um, that Symmetra works for, the Vishkar Corporation. Mm. Um, which I don't know if we want to get into into Symmetra. Her storyline is kind of encapsulated within itself, but basically, she. She was brought up as an a hard light architect by the Vishkar Corporation, and they're basically in the in the business of creating utopian uh, cities. And uh, the fact that they don't need any construction materials other than light allows them to do it very quickly and very efficiently. And when we pick her up in our little comic, she's he is a uh, with the delegation from Vishkar in Rio de Janeiro. Bidding for the for the you know renovation of Rio de Janeiro and they lose it and then they kind of deploy her as a, a stealth operative to kind of try to snake it back away. But um, other than that, she's her story arc really doesn't touch in that many other places. Um, Zenyatta, we've pretty much covered. Blue, if you've got anything on Zenyatta, he's awesome. Uh, I mean. It, it is a a really intriguing kind of character archetype. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, got- like basically, he he started off with the the monks um, that were like I don't know. It's it's a, it's an interesting dynamic with that that entire order um, because they're artificial intelligence, but they are searching for spiritual enlightenment. Um, which is a really, really interesting, just to me, it's just an intriguing juxtaposition of like philosophical questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he has a very unique view on that whole thing. He, he kind of sees the, um, the healing of the world as being possible by creating a better society through the formation of relationships, which is, which is very, um, it, it it's just it's a it's just a very intriguing concept, you know. Again, because he's an AI, um, 
he he transcends the difference between physicality within like his his thing is he will he he fights to protect innocence um he doesn't really care whether it be omnic or human or even animal um but he he disagreed with the the Shambhali's approach um, in that he didn't agree with the dogmatic teaching, but rather focused again like on that interpersonal interpersonal connection and engagement. So he was he was very much more about um, free spirituality, whereas the Shambhali were much more dogmatic in their approach. Um, and he, so he chose to leave the monastery and wanders wander the world. Um, you know, kind of as a wandering monk, really is the the uh, the mon the the figure that they paint with him. That's why he's like in the the meditative pose and stuff like that. Um, he he actually has history with Genji, um, and actually Zenyatta became Genji's mentor. Uh, so there, he he actually helped Genji reconcile his dual existence as both human and machine. Um, and he and Zenyatta actually considers Genji to be one of his brightest pupils. Like he, he views him as one of his highest successes. Um, so that there's a very, there's a very interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Hurt, hurt in chat. So like if you kill a Genji as Zenyatta, there is a line that he says that the master still has a few tricks up his sleeve. Yeah. Um, so it it's just uh he's he's just like I don't I don't know. I like playing healer support classes and so that's kind of who well, I gravitate to. That's the most unique support healer class I've ever seen. He's he's pretty he's pretty unique. Um the way he can throw out his discord and harmony. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, he's got he's got a very interesting um dynamic with his his ability to harm but heal at the same time because yeah. his, his ability has the discord for enemies, but the harmony orb for allies. Um, and he's, he actually, if you look at his uh, victory poses, he actually seems to have a, a pretty quirky sense of humor. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, it's not a victory pose. It's one of the, um, the emotes the taunt. Yeah. yeah. The taunt where he, uh, he does the, um, he does like the clap like crane and, kick. Yeah. You no, know, he does the crane kick, but he also has like one where he has, he summons all six of his arms and he claps and then <laughs> fist bumps them. And then I, I don't know. It's just, he's got, he's got like a really kind of, I don't know, innocent humor to him, to him. So, yes. So, uh, it's widely, widely held that mercy saved Genji's body, but Zenyatta saved his, his soul. soul. Yeah. Um, And an inner a another little trivia fact is um, he he is apparently uh, oh I'm trying to make sure that I understand who this is before I say this yeah the senior vice president of creative design uh, Chris Metzen Zenyatta is his is one of his favorite heroes. Um, the uh and it is i mean obviously the it's the play off zen and sunyata which means emptiness uh there it's a it's a buddhist common like it, it's just his he's got like a, a lot of little trivia that ties back into buddhism and and uh pali um so 
But other than that, I mean, I think, I think we pretty well got through all the characters. Um, we will definitely link the – if you go to playoverwatch.com, you can read all of the digital comics. And we just now found out confirmation there is a 100-page Dark Horse graphic novel in the works. So that will be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to them fleshing this out a little bit more. And yeah. uh, before we roll mm. to shout-outs, I know Mel had kind of a crazy – Mercy theory. She wanted to share. Yeah, it's it's not too crazy. There's a lot of stuff that supports it. There's a huge Reddit thread um, out there if you want to look it up. But there's a lot of speculation that Mercy's moral compass is not maybe necessarily the best in the sense that she pretty much created Reaper. Um, that she was basically basically dead and um her backstory has a lot that she did a lot of biotic um experimentation um a lot of stuff to to learn how to heal people in battle and why she always maintained that it was important to keep that stuff on the straight and narrow and not use it for ulterior motives like there's a lot of speculation that she did a lot of unethical experiments and uh, one of those was being reaper to see kind of like did she just do it um um or you know like did she do it because she cared about reaper um or reyes or did you know does she have ulterior, ulterior motives seen like can it be done um, there's also, um, as you guys know, she brought back Genji, which is another um, person. Like, does she really want to bring him back to to like because like, hey, I should do this, or was it like, can I do this? Can I play God? So there's a lot of weird, um, a lot of theories that she um, tries to play. You know. It, walks that line between is this ethical or is this just for science and is she work is she playing too much of a hand of god when she shouldn't be like like should she have really interfered with genji and on the same note if she should have really interfered with reyes and if she you know because she did she created you know there's reaper walking around now which who could be argued is a very very powerful negative force to keeping the world peace especially since now he's a member of talon so um there's also theories that she's also experimenting on herself um and hence why she was apparently 30 when the the um the crisis started so she should be you know, in her 60s now, but obviously she doesn't look like she's in her 60s. So um, it's interesting to kind of think that maybe she's um, not as wholesome as she appears. And if you, it's kind of funny that this has been brought up of a lot of the community also because her alternate skins um, are like a devil and an imp. So she has like, hey, you know, her normal line is heroes never die. So when she reses people, but then uh, she says for a price too when she's in those skins. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if well, how much more information is released about her because she is one of one of the few that, that she hasn't really been featured in any of the shorts or any of the comics. Um, you just kind of hear a little bit of 
bit of a little dialogue between them. Um, some of the dialogue between her and Reaper is interesting. There's one line where uh, she asks, what happened to you? And Reaper tells her, will you tell me, Doc? And she says, well, this is why I didn't intend for you, Reyes. And she says, you know exactly what you were doing. So it's clear there's a little bit of animosity towards Mercy from Reaper about what she did. And it kind of gives that that kind of, like, she knew what she was doing, and now that he's alive, and now that everything has occurred, that he knows that she was doing probably something that wasn't very ethical on him, um, and she refuses maybe to probably admit it. So, um, yeah. So there's also some other things that they they say that the the, the Overwatch headquarters um, in Switzerland wasn't necessarily destroyed by accident, um, but um, they were saying like, hey, you know. Um, she was maybe doing some research and Reyes was heavily affected by what had happened. Um, and he went crazy Bruce Banner style. Um, and then also Mercy brought back to life, um, was messed up, like something that was messed up in the process and had a bad side effect. And yeah, so it's interesting. That's, that's kind of all I have for, uh, my mercy, mercy spiel. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I've, I'm highly suspicious of mercy. Yeah. Anyone that's that wholesome. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, especially the whole entire, like her, her uh, cut scenes and stuff like that. The, the player, the little videos you get when you like, you know, are player of the game or whatever. She makes it look like she's God, you know, and the whole entire, mm-hmm. Hey, I have a halo. I have wings. I am, you know, I am your gift for living, you know, like you should praise me because without you, I would be, you would be dead or without me, you would be dead. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of really underlying tones. I love mercy. I think she's great. I like playing her as a lot, but I'm really intrigued by the possibilities of where, where her story could go and what other skeletons she might have in her closet. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm really, really excited to see where Mercy goes. Um, I've actually got one, and it, it didn't, it didn't come to me until the newest digital comic, the Old Soldiers one, that involves Anna, Soldier seventy six, mm. and Reaper, and it really never, it, it really s- kind of struck me as kind of lazy storytelling that. Um, that Gabriel Reyes, this uh, career soldier who, by all accounts, was an amazing soldier, um, after all these years of service, would let a promotion completely push him off the deep end and and into kind of becoming the villain we know him as today. I've actually got a very different idea about where the rift between him and Morrison came from. And it didn't have anything to do with the promotion. I think that was just the reason they gave because they couldn't admit what it really was. I think they were both in love with the same woman. That's Anna. Hmm. Because if you read that comic, um, there's definitely um, a very strong triangle between the three of them hinted at. Everything from kind of the way she interacts with Soldier 76 and then on the other hand, you know, she's fighting Reaper. But then once Reaper's down, she's interacting with him. And I know they're old friends, but um, it just it would make a lot more sense to me why 
this hero um, kind of went off the deep end, he he couldn't have the woman he loved, and he, it drove him crazy. And there's not much else to back that up, by the way. <laughs> it's it would be definitely it it would be a uh, a, a really cool a really cool plot line. Mm-hmm. I always kind of interpreted the reason for their fallout was that their ethics just were yeah. became so different and how they wanted to approach the same type of job. I, it just caused a bigger and bigger rift. And like, you know, you know how, when you see someone who used to share a like vision with, and you used to go down the same path and you start seeing them going down a way that you don't agree with, or maybe your line of thinking that has changed and you don't feel the same way about something as you did before and now and you know that 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 causes a lot of tension and especially among people especially this that are you know not only in a stressful situation because they're warriors and having to deal with these life and death situations but they're also regarded as celebrities as superheroes like people idolize the overwatch people during their heyday you know people all these people wanted to be a part of the overwatch crew because they're it was it seemed glamorous to be a part of overwatch and now you know i can imagine that there was so much pressure on both of them that they just like we're done snapped (laughs) snapped yeah so i just i just think i just think they just wanted just wanted to get with Anna. I think that's all it was. I think it was. Or, Anna. you know. <laughs> or, you know. She's all old and she's got an eye patch. I know only has an eye patch because Widowmaker. See, Widowmaker is actually now in love with Reaper. She found out about his love with Anna. And now she's like, <laughs> yeah. no. And uh, shot Anna in the eye. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah shot her in the eye. <laughs> Ug- I uglied her up. You uglied her up. Okay, so Blue, any crazy Overwatch theories? No. (laughs) No, we don't. I don't think he has the spinfoil hat on right now. Zenyatta's orbs are full of candy. (laughs) Oh, you you want to know my thought on Zenyatta's orbs? Sure. (laughs) They're mini ghosts. Shut up. Just get out. Shut up. <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> He's playing Pokemon with your soul. Oh. They're actually Pokeballs. And they're, they're, miniature, they're miniature travelers. That's all they are. They're going to grow up <laughs> to be big and strong, and then they'll go out into they're, the, they're the actually, world. They're actually either orbs of light or darkness. Yep. So exactly. depending upon which one you get hit by, you either turn into like a minion of darkness or a guardian of light. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. so, well, and we also know that from our good friend, Zer, that our traveler has a dark mirror. Mm-hmm. So that would be like the exactly. discord orb. Yeah. yeah oh, so. okay. Have you not seen the animation oh. for the balance? No, cause I don't play Zenyatta. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's too so, many. I can't juggle that. That's many balls. too many. That's too many. <laughs> Does that mean Zenyatta is in, in his kind or a distant relative of uh, our wonderful robot friends in Destiny? Yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. He oh, is, I think he you is can the, confirm that. He is the progenitor of Rusty <laughs> the robot. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. 
Zenyatta is the formless, formless one. one. Yeah. Okay, this is truly this is truly gone off the way the rails <laughs> right now. You wanted a crazy theory. Okay, that's you. You did not disappoint, sir. Okay, so it's not. It's wanna, not a focused fireside <laughs> if we do not incorporate destiny into. You gotta it. incorporate destiny. Yes. Yes. And, and, and we're only missing one thing that I won't even mention. I won't mention it by name. No, no, we don't mention it by name. <laughs> we don't mention it by name. This. Move to shout outs. <laughs> shout outs. Blue. Go. Um, for those who are not aware, Guardian Radio is doing an amazing giveaway. Um, they have, I think, at the last count seven new next generation consoles uh well i guess current generation consoles for the people who are stuck on previous generation consoles so these are this is only for people who are stuck on 360s and ps3s um they have trying to remember uh four playstation 4s and three xbox ones that they are in the process of giving away um there's there's images all over Twitter for what you need to do to check to get that. Um, the Guardians of Destiny dot com has the information as well on what you need. But if you have not entered that and you are on a previous gen console and you want to move to the current gen consoles to continue playing Destiny or Overwatch or any of these games that we we're talking about, do it. Get get in there as well. Um, we also have a winner for the eighty thousand giveaway. We will be announcing that on the next episode after I get in contact with that individual and you know get all that situated. Um, but yeah, just basically big shout out to the Guardian Radio guys, and then also um, there's a lot of Rise Viren information that got dropped today. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check out the. Go check out our Discord uh, Destiny channel. There's a lot of Ooh. information flying around about that right now. So I know th- also, I know this is the Overwatch chat, but give I'm that so a check. Excited. Something something Overwatch dropped today too. Oh, the server? Yeah. No, Summer Games. Oh yeah, summer yeah, yeah, games yeah, yeah, dropped yeah. today. I know they're amazing. The server haven't played it yet. Yeah, yeah it, looked, it, it looked really funny. It looked. Like we will be playing. We will be playing Lucio Ball on stream. Yes, knows. it will happen. It will happen. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, uh, is that good for you, Blue? Yep, yep, yep. It, Piggy, it was Piggy good for me. Conch. Okay, cool. I resent that moniker. Um, so, I just like to give a big shout out to Forrest from last week um, for being an awesome guest. Um, and Mel from this week for being an awesome guest host. No um, problem. If uh, you guys haven't done it yet, um, go check out her Patreon. Um, and uh, ooh, it's patreon.com forward slash wind of the stars. Is that correct? Yes, that is oh. that is the, the URL to find All stuff. Right. So, um, like See, I mentioned uh, earlier, I have, it's not, there's a bunch of stuff there. So it's, you know, if you'd like looking at photos of just costumes, I have a lot of that type of stuff there. Um, and then also if you want to learn how to make more stuff and learn how I do things, um, I do lots of costume breakdowns, tutorials, videos, you name it. So, um, but I just started, so 
bear with me because it is going to be a very much a learning experience. Um, but I would really appreciate it if you guys could check it out. That'd be great. So, and real quick on the on the topic of cosplay, that is actually going to be the next big behind the scenes chat that we're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to be talking to someone about cosplays, and we're collecting questions. So, do you want to? Do we need to go further into that? Am I allowed to say that? Oh, yeah. I don't care. Okay. Do what so, you need to do, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Mel, Mel and potentially one of, I, I can't remember, is it Charmy? It, it's Charmy Sweets. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sure. And I have been doing cosplay together for quite a while. She uh, was local with me in, in where we live. Um, she just recently moved to the Bay Area. But she is coming to visit during that week. And so I'm really really hoping that we can get her on the show um she's she's great she does a lot of cool costumes um we do a lot of same stuff together she's also does a lot of um if you guys have seen hididi's videos um the guy that dresses up as deadpool and does all those videos and like does like um cosplay music videos where they they take a normal popular song rewrite the words but anyways she sings those songs for him so oh wow yeah so (laughs) so she's she'll be really cool to have on the chat she hilarious i love her to pieces so but uh yeah charmy sweets if you guys want to go check her out she has a youtube and everything she goes by charmy sweets on everything so um i'm pretty nice. sure if she's if she if she is here if not she uses discord as well so if anything we can just loop her in onto, onto Discord. i think she, i think she's actually already in our chat um but we what? have yeah we i think hey i think, I think <laughs> she is i'm not hey. sure people people use there different names um, but, uh, that is for those who are in the discord chat, uh, that is the FFC BTS chat. We are collecting questions that you have similar, similar to what we did with Morla for the voice acting. Um, we have a, so we we're doing cosplay and then we have another one that I'm putting together for, hopefully we'll get it out before the end of the year. Um, cause these take a little bit of time to organize and then. I actually have an idea for another one that I'm going to try to get some some really cool names involved in. So I'm working on that one right now. But so yeah, when when you were talking about the cosplay stuff, that just reminded me of that. Yeah, and guys, don't be afraid. Don't don't hold back on questions. Um, I've been doing this for a obscene amount of years. It feels like um, I guess a third of my life, if you want to say that. So. I, I have a lot of knowledge on what the cosplay was like in the before time. So if you guys want to talk about that or how I make stuff, please just don't be afraid to ask anything. I'm willing to answer pretty much anything as long as it's not inappropriate. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that was, that just came to me real quick. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited to see what you have planned, man. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, it's, we've got we've got a lot of uh, Discord disconnects planned. It's, it's they'll be synchronized to music. <laughs> um, Are we gonna have a little bit of Justin uh, serenading us on that? Uh, oh, d- definitely can. We definitely mm-hmm. can. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I know, uh, I know, we have a a competition lined up. <laughs> I don't think she's finished it by then. <laughs> you never know. She's, She's too busy doing diva bunny ears and stuff. Oh, that's going to be like a two-day I'm sorry. Was I not supposed to? That would have been awful. That would have been awful. 
<laughs> I don't care. People are going to know soon. Um, but yeah, but no, the, the Mara is, it needs to be done like within the next few weeks. So that's probably the next thing that you're going to see. Come on. You forget. I, I sew and do this pretty much my job. I'm so. still kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Just, you know what you can do. Okay, I got a, I got a plan. I got a plan. All right, are you ready for this? Are you ready? ready? Okay. Ready? Okay. okay. Cool. All right. Print out a picture, high res, tape it to your face. <laughs> do the do the Deadpool approach. Let's do a picture of a better looking guy. Don't don't yeah, don't tape they, it. Don't tape it. Staple it. Yeah. Staple it. And then there's um, a T-shirt that says, "This is my cosplay." Yeah, I'll just spell. It'll say exotic. <laughs> just on it. Yeah. You know what? Like, just don't even worry about taping a picture to your face. Just, like, get some cardboard and spray paint it yellow and put it, make it look kind of like an enneagram. It doesn't have to look like an enneagram. Just make it kind of look like one. And then just put it on your head so that way you can say, like, I'm the Halloween variant from 2015. Duh. Oh, I like it. Bam. I like it. <laughs> And I was gonna paint my face blue. I didn't know I could get off so easy. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, handsome <laughs> Jack. <laughs> well, with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again to Mel for spending your evening with us. We really appreciate it, and we're looking forward mm-hmm. to having you on again. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through email as well. We try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central, but if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at focusfirechat. Also, please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, the lore band marches on. So this just hit me. This is crazy. This okay. is like super crazy. Okay. Here we go. So we've got the traveler and destiny, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know like if the traveler's on its own, if it's whatever. What if Zenyatta sends out the traveler? And then the reason it left the fallen was because he didn't look at it for three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> they Sorry, they ran out. 
They ran. I'm they out. ran. They ran around the corner. <laughs> they couldn't follow him. Oh my god! And maybe I'm three out. seconds to him. Maybe three seconds to him is like a long time, you know. Um, and then, I, then he threw out the Discord. That was the darkness coming from there. Oh my god! It makes so much sense now. There's a giant Zenyatta, <laughs> and he's just sending out travelers. And he's just sitting in his big aura. <laughs> It works. Does it not? <laughs> That's it. Right. I figured it out. Bungie and Blizzard. They went cross-platform.